The reading for today is from Paul's letter to the church in Galatia. Listen for what Paul says about freedom and how we should treat each other. You are called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only don't let this freedom be an opportunity to indulge your selfish impulses, but serve each other through love. All the law has been fulfilled in a single statement, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour each other, be careful that you don't get eaten up by each other. I say, be guided by the Spirit, and you won't carry out your selfish desires. A person's selfish desires are set against the Spirit, and the Spirit is set against one's selfish desires. They are opposed to each other, so you shouldn't do whatever you want to do. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against things like this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the self with its passions and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit. Let's not become arrogant, make each other angry, or be jealous of each other. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Something about summer and reading that go together, yes? <laughs> Got some readers in here right now. <laughs> I don't know if it's that the days are longer, and so we have the illusion that we have more time to read, or maybe it's that the kids are home from school and complaining that they're bored, and we say, hey, go read a book. Or we might be traveling and picking up a uh, paperback in the airport to read on the plane or by the pool or at the beach. Or maybe we don't get a chance to travel in the summer, but we want a chance to escape. And so we read to use our imaginations to take us to places that maybe we wouldn't get to go to or meet people that maybe we wouldn't have met without this book and our imaginations. So today, that's what we're going to do. We're going to meet two people that we otherwise wouldn't get to meet through the pages of their writing and our imaginations. And the first one is a Jewish Christian man who used to be a lawyer, lived in the Middle East around the 50s, but the, the original 50s. And then the other person that we're going to meet is a little American girl going to school, born in the 50s, the 1950s. So we have these two people that are about 2,000 years apart, and it seems like maybe they wouldn't have that much in common. But in fact, if you read their writing, they both write about freedom. They both write about different groups of people living together and how they should be with one another. And they both write about faith and how their faith informs their ideas about freedom and about how we should live together. So who could our people be? 
Who's our first one? Yeah, Paul. Thanks for playing with me. Yes, Paul. Good. What if you were wrong? And I was like, no, it's not Paul. It is Paul. Good, Paul. So uh, some of you know Paul and have read Paul, and others of you may not have. So I'll give a little bit of background on Paul, especially because we have the, the kids with us today. So Paul lived in the first century, and um, he was a man that was originally a lawyer. He was a Jewish man who was also a Roman citizen. And the early part of his life, he spent his time um, persecuting people who professed faith in uh, Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Jesus the Messiah. Um, but, and he never knew Jesus during his lifetime. But he had an experience with the risen Christ that changed his whole life, reoriented him, made everything different. And he decided, after this experience, to preach the gospel all over the Middle East and in the Roman Empire. So he changed his life, and he goes around starting churches, preaching the gospel, communicating with these new churches back and forth with letters, which is where we get our scripture for today. That's actually a letter that Paul wrote. And I have one little thing that I say for this service that I didn't say in the other ones, that's because the kids are here today. <laughs> I mean, it's for the kids. That it's my favorite part of this whole letter, and it's Galatians 6.11. And do you remember when you are learning to write, and you write like your letters are real big, and they give you the note paper with the real big fat lines, and you have to write these big letters? Well, in Paul's time, most people didn't know how to write. And so they used scribes. They hired people, or they had people that would write for them. So all of Paul's letters are dictated to a scribe, except for the end of Galatians, where he says in 6.11, See what large letters I make when writing in my own hand. And I just love this because it gives us a window into Paul as an actual person, I don't know what he really meant there, but to me it sounds like he's feeling a little self-conscious about his giant handwriting following the scribe who's probably written in really neat, perfect handwriting. So I thought that that was fun. It made Paul a little relatable. But what Paul's writing about to this church in this place called Galatia is about a conflict, a fight that the church is having um, among itself. And it's a conflict that's going on in the larger uh, church, this early church. Because if you remember, the first people who followed Jesus were all of Jewish background. Jesus was of Jewish background. All the first disciples were of Jewish background. All the people that were first hearing Jesus' message were of Jewish background. So they would have been following Jewish law, living Jewish lives. All the men would have been circumcised. So this would have been part of their history and their background. But as this message, this good news started to spread, more people were joining this new movement and professing faith in Christ. But these new people were not of Jewish background. So then... This question came up, 
well, can you be part of this new movement? Can you worship together if you don't convert to Judaism? If you don't follow the law, if you don't get circumcised if you're a male, well, is this okay? And so there was a big conflict over this. And some very powerful people came down on one side. One of them is James, the Lord's brother. Powerful, I mean, like leaders in the church. James, the Lord's brother, and Peter. They came down on the side that said, yes, if you want to worship Jesus as the Messiah, you need to convert to Judaism. You need to follow the law. But Paul, on the other side, says, no, that's an unnecessary burden. That makes it hard for people who haven't grown up Jewish that want to be part of this new movement, that want to worship with us, that want to worship Jesus. We shouldn't make them follow all these rules. And the heart of the problem is over table fellowship. So if we worship and our central act of worship, our central symbol is the Lord's Supper. They actually would sit down to meals together and have a meal and break the bread and drink the cup together during the meal. Well, if you're a person of Jewish background following Jewish law, you cannot sit down with all these other people that are not following Jewish law at a meal. So how do you do the Lord's Supper? This is what Paul's writing about. What is the role of religious law? How can we be together? And he's arguing that we should have table fellowship together with everyone. And then I'm, I have a little asterisk here, a little aside that I'm going to say, which is that right now today what I'm talking about is the role of religious law in Paul's time, where these were mostly Jewish people writing letters back and forth to each other, having a mostly inter-religious, meaning back and forth with other Jewish people, argument. But what I am not talking about is Judaism today, the role, what the role of the law should be in the life of people who practice Judaism today who are of Jewish backgrounds. That is not what I'm commenting on. That's not, that would not be appropriate for me to comment on. And I've said before, um, and I'll say again, that I really am a big believer in interfaith dialogue and that we are called to love our neighbors as ourselves, and that includes people of different faith backgrounds. So when I'm talking about the role of law, I'm talking specifically about Paul and Paul's point of view and how it affects us as Christians today because we're off that branch that can trace its roots back to Paul and Paul's letters. So Paul says, okay, if you want to follow the law, follow the law. If you've been a Jewish person your whole life, you want to follow the law, follow the law. But that's not what we're about. Because we're about faith working through love. And you can't enforce that with law. He says, essentially, to paraphrase, Christ freed us from the law, the religious law. 
And you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. But then he takes it a step further. Because he says, freedom doesn't mean you get to do whatever you want. You can't do whatever you want with your freedom. Because if you do whatever you want with your freedom, then you are giving in to your selfish desires. Instead, you're to live into the Spirit. Because if you live with your freedom, giving in to your selfish desires, he says, take care you don't bite and devour each other. And this is such a strong picture, I think. That's what happens when we're living into our own selfish desires. We're using our freedom in a way that is destructive to other people and ourselves. We bite and we devour each other. And it's here with this idea of using freedom to bite and devour each other that we're going to move into our next story. I said we were going to talk about a little American girl in 1960. If you've been paying attention to the posters and stuff, you might know who I'm talking about. Do you know who I'm talking about? Ruby Bridges! Good! <laughs> yes, Ruby Bridges. And I'm going to call her Ruby today because we called Paul Paul. I think it's fair we'll call Ruby Ruby. Normally I would call her by her last name as a sign of respect, but we're going to call her Ruby today. And Ruby wrote a memoir that we are reading as our one church, one book, book this summer, called Through My Eyes. And I was looking at her book Through My Eyes, and it reminded me of Paul and Paul's writing about freedom. And whether we use our freedom to love our neighbors, or whether we use our freedom to metaphorically bite and devour each other. Because we have both, both pictures in Ruby's story. Some of you already know who Ruby Bridges is, and that makes me really excited. <laughs> but if you don't know, I'll give you a brief synopsis of her story. So Ruby is a little girl. She's six years old, and she lives in New Orleans. And in New Orleans, the schools up until this point had been separated in all-white schools and all-black schools. But then the government said, this is not okay. We do not want to have these separate schools. We want to have the schools for everybody. So we can all have education, and that everybody has the benefit of a good education. But in New Orleans and other places in the South, even though that was the law, they said, we're not going to do that. We want to keep it the way that it is. We like being separate. The white people said that. But they had a deadline. They had to integrate. So the NAACP, an organization that was working to promote the interest in justice for people, came to Ruby Bridges and her family, because she had scored well on an entrance test, and said, Ruby is very bright. We really want her to be the first to integrate this neighborhood school that's been previously all white. And Ruby and her family said, okay, 
because this school was a better school than the other school Ruby had been going to. So Ruby's going to start a new school. But the neighborhood around the school that was white and the school itself did not want Ruby there. So every single day, this little girl, this six-year-old girl, has to go to school surrounded by U.S. Marshals, armed U.S. Marshals, to escort her to school. Because there is a mob waiting every single day outside the school to scream at her and yell at her and throw things at her, say extremely hateful, horrible things at her. She is six and just wants to go to school. And one day, as she's going to school, she walks up the steps and she turns and looks at the crowd and she says something. And later, her psychologist that she'd been working with, who happened to be there that day and see this, asked her, hey, Ruby, what did you say to the crowd? I saw you saying something. What did you say? And she said, oh, I was praying for them. I usually pray at home before I get there, but I forgot today, so I made sure I prayed before I went in. She's six. She's praying for those persecute her. And then we can talk about the mob of people for a second. If you get the book and look at the pictures, I found it uh, shocking. Shocking in how normal it is. We want to put a face of a monster on these people that are being so blatantly racist, but you can't. Because they're just regular people. They look like me. They're moms out there standing outside the kids' school. And teenagers and other people that were free in the daytime to go and stand and harass this kid who just wants to go to school. So we can't say, oh, those are some other people that aren't at all like us. Because if you look at the pictures, they look like me. hard to think about, really, how normal it was. But in it, we can see, if we look at the lens that Paul is using of living by the Spirit or living by the selfish desires, how we use our freedom, that group of people, the whole system, really, that's fighting to keep Ruby out of school, it's pretty easy to see where they fall, on whether they're following selfish impulses. Because when we look at what are the fruit of the Spirit, we know they are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Who is exhibiting this? pretty clear it's Ruby 
she is using her freedom in a way that bears the fruit of the Spirit. And these other people who are way more free than Ruby, what are they bearing in their fruit? So in our stories today, we've heard two stories about segregation. We have the story about the segregation at Table Fellowship, and we have the story about the segregation with Ruby. Ruby also had to eat alone, by the way, in her classroom. They kept her separate. There were other kids, a few other kids in the school. Most of the parents pulled their kids out. Months and months and months and months, almost no kids at school. There were a few. They had their own classrooms. Ruby did not know they were there. She had to sit alone in her classroom. She had a teacher. The teachers from the area wouldn't teach her. Somebody had come from the north and said, sure, I'll I'll teach her. But the teachers that were there from that community refused. And she ended up sitting alone by herself, eating her lunch every day for months and months and months. She did not have table fellowship either. So these two stories of segregation from 2,000 years apart, what do they have to do with us today? Here we are, we're Sonoma County. We're not in the American South in the 60s. Well, we are called to love one another We are called to table fellowship with one another. And Paul is asking us to see what the difference is when we live by the Spirit. And today, I think we can look at places and situations where we have choices to love our neighbor. We use our freedom to love our neighbor where we use our freedom to, as Paul says, bite and devour one another. And it's not a very far leap from Paul's story and Ruby's story to the stories of the migrant children today. These are children that are coming from places of great struggle and strife, sometimes on their own, sometimes with their parents, thousands and thousands of miles to get to safety. Because if it's easier to walk thousands of miles, probably where you're coming from isn't that safe. And when we look at these stories, I wonder where we're using our freedom. How are we using our freedom? Are we living in the spirit? Are we bearing fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Is that what we see? Is that the fruit? There's another one that is only in some translations. There's another fruit added, which is generosity. We could add generosity in there. When I think about these kids, I think about the ones who do get to grow up. What if they grow up 
and they write a memoir like Ruby's through their eyes. What will they say about us? Where will we be in those pictures? There is good news, though. Always there's good news. I think the good news in our scripture for today, and always, particularly today, is the repetition of the greatest commandment. The good news is it is clear. Paul repeats in 614 what Jesus has said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That is clear. We get it. It's good news. We're freed from the law, but still the greatest commandment stands. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And we don't do it alone. We are given the Spirit to help us, to love us, to guide us, to comfort us, to give us courage. And there are people in Ruby's story who are living by the Spirit, whether they would name it that way or not. And when you read the book, you'll see her teacher, Barbara Henry, who joyfully and patiently worked with Ruby every single day. And her psychologist, Robert Coles, who helped Ruby uh, learn and understand her feelings and express them. And there were white families in that neighborhood that did try to enroll their kids in school that believed that this was the right thing to do. And if you read more about this story, there are so many stories of brave children and brave families who went to work on integration at a high, high cost to themselves, to their families, so that other people who came after would have the benefit of their courage. They were living by the Spirit and bearing fruit. May we all be filled by the Spirit. And may we all Love our neighbors as ourselves. Amen.